Content marketing. Cloud computing. Social media reality. Creative competitive advantage. Future of innovation. Benchmark. It's two blokes talking all things creative, technology and business in Australia. Well, hello. We're back for episode two of the Benchmark podcast series. Episode two. We're a series. We are we a serious series? That's a, question. a very serious very series. Serious. I'm just uh, I'm concerned that our voices are going to continue to be as croaky as they have been over the last little bit. Did, what last one was a bit croaky? Croaky. Yeah. Have you done your warm up exercises? We sound like something off Sesame Street. We do. Yeah, Let's get on with it. What we got in this uh, this week's segment, Andrew? Well, look, there's just so much going on as there always seems to be. We're going to have a little recap of this week's. Um, latest live benchmark event with Will Scully Power. That was amazing. Yeah, virtuality was the topic, and we heard about his Vision Board VR app. Amazing. Crazy stuff, isn't Crazy it? Crazy stuff. Absolutely amazing. So we'll, we'll take a look at that. Um, we're going to delve into SoundCloud and what's going on in the subscription services. Yeah, well, I think that was probably the biggest thing in my world that in the tech space that happened this, this uh, week that SoundCloud announced they're going to go to a subscription model. They're the streaming platform I use the most, so uh, we'll have a little chat about that and see what's going on there. I think we're going to come back and have a little word about uh, a certain acquisition that's happened in the last uh, in the last week too. Yeah, I saw Russell and Kogan present about six years ago, and he was a real brash was he? guy that he just felt, wow, he's, he, he knows where he's going, and look where he is now. He's got a phenomenally good business, and uh, he's just uh, bought the rights to Dick Smith which went into liquidation. So that's an interesting move that we'll talk about a bit more. Great show. Let's get on with it. So, Nick, I am a Spotify user. I'm a premium, paid-up, proud, proud, passionate, paid-up. What's that cost a year? Don't know. Do you know? It's like a lot of these apps that I use. I actually don't know what I'm paying for them. I'm sure we should do um, a segment take a note on that one we'll do a segment on that leakage that happens where sure. you, you've signed up for linkedin and you've got this subscription and yeah. that subscription and 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 just how much money you're actually spending when Good you look enough. at it imagine that it's an interesting little uh interesting little business model yeah. thought what we're talking about Nick. Stop. No. stop come on right um so so i know that you are a a soundcloud user. yes you've been using it for ages and 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 i'm not so Let's start there. Why? Why? Why, why do you use SoundCloud? Uh, I, I use two platforms: SoundCloud and JB Hi-Fi, which has <clears throat> sadly just uh, uh, ceased trading, which is very sad. Five years ago, when JB Hi-Fi was thinking of doing it, they asked when I was working for Viacorp asked us to pitch to build the back end, right? And we didn't get it. Uh, but when it, and they were the first to launch in Australia, in actual fact, right? Which a lot of people don't know, right? And I pay hundred bucks a month a year for JB Hi-Fi. What I love about it is that you you just pick an album and it plays the album. Right. All right. Okay. I love that. Whereas to my experience, the other ones are just playlists, yeah, or stuff that is like an artist. Uh no. I, I mean, with Spotify, I will quite often pick the al- the album that I want to well, listen to, and I listen yeah. to it top to bottom. But yeah, you can shuffle and you can go and yeah. listen to a radio program based on that mm-hmm. either song or artist or album, and you can and it's got the social element to it as well. Yeah. But regardless, so in in JB Hi-Fi, you actually go and pick an album and you that's play right. it. Right. Okay. Well, that's how I primarily used it, right. and I, I guess I use JB Hi-Fi for the more commercial stuff, yeah, or the great back catalogs you know if i wanted to listen to exile on main street i could do you know all right um whereas i use soundcloud to hear about new artists stuff that maybe don't have publishing deals or experimental and i like a lot of underground 
DJ house music, yeah? So it's great for that. Um, I've also, I'm also a paid creator on SoundCloud. Right. So I think that was about 100 bucks a year. In, you're allowed to upload five tracks for free or something, and then after that you've got to pay more. But me as a listener, I don't pay anything. Listener, it's just, absolutely. Just there is a, an ad-free version as well. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how much that is because I pay, as I'm a creator, I get to listen to it ad-free. Right, yeah. okay, got it. Um, but it's, it's, quite, it's, quite a, uh, it's quite a busy space, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, I just wrote a list, right? Yeah. Spotify is a big one. Google, I've obviously got the YouTube subscription, YouTube Red, and the Google Play or Music. Uh, they bought Sponsor. There's I, like the Apple World. They've got iTunes Radio and Apple Music who have bought Beats. Uh, Pandora are huge. Now, they bought Audio when that went defunct, so they bought some assets there. Um, and then sort of this SoundCloud um, competitors are, are here, this Mixcloud and Bandcamp. So it's a pretty, and there's probably loads of others that I've not even touched on. Come across, you know? yeah, for sure. So it's a pretty crowded market. Uh, everyone's doing it tough because there isn't a proper revenue model, and the artists are getting paid like bugger all. I remember Portishead announced that they've had like two million streams of their album and got like two grand. Right. You know, which is just bugger ridiculous. <laughs> you know, two million albums at the old model of twenty bucks. At, a unit, yeah, you can stop. You know, you yeah. buy a Caribbean island. You know, so so what is it? Are we going to see consolidation? Is that the next thing? Is it, I think. Do, I think. Is it have to go that way, or is I it? I think a, it's got to be. I also think that like users are now um, look if they can get the proposition right. I think people are used to paying subscription models online. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see to what what happens there. You know. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is vinyls had a resurgence. Yeah, right. And not uh, just because of the quality of the sound, but just because it's become quite... Is yeah. it hipster cool? Is that why we're I all... I think there is a bit of that. I mean, look, the, 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 the high-fidelity sound of, of audio streaming has always been an issue. Spotify have their premium model, which has a higher bit rate of audio streaming. And if you're, if you're just like the ad version, it's the lowest quality, yeah? So... The, the audio nerds have always complained about that, yeah. And Neil Young launched Pono, which that's was, right. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Which seemed to be the savior of it all, but uh, I've not really heard much for, of it for, for about a year. Anyway, uh, uh, but vinyl has also come back, and I think there's two reasons. One is the audio quality, and two is that there is a that tactileness of the physicality of it and the tactileness of the sound. And and I, I've just subscribed, well, about a year ago, subscribed to Vinyl Me Please where that is a curated process, where they send you an album. So you don't choose what the album is, they send you the album. Wow. And it, it's so lovely receiving something in the, pro, in the post, yeah? Yeah. And opening it and, and it, and it's across all genres, and it's just, it, 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 it's lovely just putting it on, and, and, it, and it's, it's a special pressing, so it's 180 GSM vinyl, and you get a, a poster with it, and you give, they give you a cocktail to make with it. Oh my god! Which I've never done, but it's a kind of a nice. Well, it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? um, and vinyls had a, had a resurgence again. I think people enjoy that. You know what? Yeah, I, I want to listen to David Bowie for, right. for an hour. You know, I don't want to have all this sort of, you know, referral-based stuff going on. Right. You know? uh, so is it like the? Uh, you know, we haven't seen. All the bookshops in the world close just because you can use e- an e-reader to, sure. to read everything. You know, some people yeah. want to read certain publications with, uh, you know, in, with, with a tactile book as opposed to. But, but it's the same with everything. You, you, you read an e-book and you buy a book. Don't you? you know, hmm. you, you, you can consume it by both methods. Hmm. You know, and there's some books that are better on a Kindle, and some books that you want to 
physically whole. Yeah. Well, I do anyway. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah, some just feel good. Yeah, you know? maybe we need yeah. to invent skins to go on the outside of Kindles so you can have a different experience. Right, that's another. Why do we give these away on, Shh, on a podcast? Sorry, I won't take any more. <laughs> Lovely. Anyway, we'd love to uh, hear your thoughts on the audio streaming world. What do you use, and how do you use it, and do you like it? So, uh, benchmark one hundred three is the hashtag. Send us your thoughts. <laughs> Now, this episode of Benchmark is brought to you by the good folk at Prosper. They're Australia's leading online lender to small business. And Prosper have simplified the process. You can apply online for their small business loan in minutes, without painful paperwork or without waiting in queues. So get approved and start growing your business. And 90% of customers receive their funds within 24 hours. Prosper. That's spelt P-R-O-S-P-A, Prosper. Business loans made easy. Check out www.prosper.com. Nick. Yes. The new Apple phone. Yes. Why? 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 Why would I want to go and buy a new, a new iPhone yeah. that looks like the old iPhone? I, I, I've never been one of these people that buys a new phone that's come out because there's a new phone, right? Uh, but people do, don't they? Yeah. I might. <laughs> You do, don't you? You, you, uh, you don't queue up outside Apple. Hey, I said last week I don't have an Apple Watch yet, right? So, um. Look, I, I basically wait till my battery's so buggered and it can't get redone. You know, So I had the Apple Phone 2 and then I got the 6 and now it's tracking all nicely, right? But it's interesting how phones started really big. You know, there's like yeah. a s- sketch in, in Britain where there's a, a comedy show with a big phone going, I'm on the phone! You know, I remember having a car phone, you know, and uh, that was like, you know, 8 inches, 10 inches high, you know? Right. And then they got smaller, 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 didn't they? Little Nokia's and stuff that were cool. The Blackberry, I love the Blackberry. Oh yeah, I miss my Blackberry. Yeah, I do. I enjoyed yeah. the Blackberry. I, I, I used to love. I used to love just the speed that I got up to where I could tap yeah, with my thumbs. Totally. I was so I was super fast. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't understand. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I get hooked into the uh, into the the gimmick value of it. But uh, but I, then it got bigger again, didn't it? Yeah, bigger it? again. And, and then the last time when I, when I when I had to buy a new phone because the last one broke, right? So I had the six or the six S, yeah. Yeah. And I looked at them, and I was like. God, I don't want to carry the 6S around. It's almost like an iPad. Right. It was just too big. And yet my yeah. wife's got one because she yeah. loves that she can see her photos up mm, on the screen. Does she have an iPad as well? Uh, no, I do. But, you do? Uh, yeah, okay. But mm. uh, no, it's it, very interesting. I'll tell you what's interesting was over at a friend's place, uh, one of their kids came toddling through with one of those drag-along phones, uh, drag-along what? telephones behind, you know, the, the toy phones where the eyes go backwards and forwards and oh. it's, it's a dial phone. Sorry, you, don't have kids. See, no idea. Never mind. Well, yeah. what was funny is that we asked somebody to move the phone, and my youngest daughter looked at it and went, where, where, where? I had never seen a phone with a dial on the front of it before. Oh, right. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Never seen one. Didn't understand the concept of it being a dial, right? There was some uh, survey, or, or a, a thing done a few weeks ago, where uh, someone showed teenagers what Microsoft 95, Windows 95 was like, you know, and they were just like, met with blank faces. You know, like, what I, What is this? Um, so why have they brought out a small phone? I, th- I don't know. People yeah. obviously liked the smaller phone. I was speaking to somebody just today who was saying they don't like carrying around their 6 because it's mm. too big. They can't get their mm. fingers to the buttons and things. And that the 4 was the best ever model that they've had. That was the one that they liked the shape of. They could yeah. they could use it really quickly and it was... it were, Who knows? Mm. But got to go backwards to go forwards, Nick. Absolutely right. Mm. You know, not to get too serious and too heavy about things but Ugh, what now 
Well, Kogan just bought Dick Smith. Oh, right. Acquisitions, yes. I mean, wow. Mm -hmm. Who saw that coming? He's a big player these days, isn't he? Who would have expected it? I mean, not having purchased anything from, from Kogan, I put them in the same bucket as the Ebays of the world. I right. never thought of it as you know as just an online seller and well he's still going online only with the Dick Smith thing he's not buying the stores is that right yeah he's making it just an online so it'll play. only be an online it'll only play. be an online so play. they will close all the stores they will close all the stores I see yeah okay. wow yeah well why wouldn't he just fold it into the Kogan brand then? Mm. so I think like why has he done this I mean maybe it's just a multi-brand play you know like. Dick Smith has got quite a lot of goodwill. You know, I mean, he, he was a... So many people think Dick Smith should be Prime Minister for Australia, don't they? Because of all his social, philanthropic, entrepreneurial stuff he's done, you know? He's a good bloke, isn't he? Yeah, and yeah. you probably wouldn't get angry at him for taking a helicopter ride like you would with... No, that's true. The, no. <laughs> um, and I reckon they've got a pretty big database of users. Oh, yes. Know? So they bought some audience there, some customers... So if Kogan's got, I mean, his platform is incredible. Like I've used, I bought our plasma screens and, and Apple TVs for our office, right? right? And the whole process, I didn't speak to one person, which was just delightful, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Grumpy old man, aren't I? <laughs> but, it, but, you know, I went online and knew what I wanted to buy and I bought the plasmas and the, you know, the invoice response was immediate and the delivery was going to be the next day. I actually did it over Christmas. So I asked them to delay it, and that was all cool, you know, and they arrived when they said they did. And it was like, this is really good service. And right. it was better value than other providers, you know. So, um, but what I didn't realise then, I mean, I, I just thought they were all electronics and TV and, you know, computer stuff. But they've, like, got everything in there now. They've got brands for, like, you know, um, kitchenware and bathrooms and holidays and... Such big product lines that they've they've got, you know, mm. and so they've been able to roll out their fantastic backend technology into other branded areas, you know. Mm. So to me, I think they're just um, they're going to turn the Dick Smith very costly bricks and mortar exercise into a, an efficient, profitable online experience. Yeah, um, and you, you you think the Dick Smith brand um, survives coming through that? I mean, I guess time will tell, but I mm-hmm. mean, do, do, you, do you not think that the, uh, there was almost a sense of um, certainly the Australian public being abandoned by Dick because he just yeah. was, no, um, you know, it's closed, even though it's not him. Yeah. You know, a lot of people still don't even know that he's not associated with the business and haven't yeah, been for quite a lot of time. I just wonder what the, the equity is or, or the, the, the relationship to that brand is now. I think most people know that it, the new management buggered it up and mm. took all the money for their own mm. use, you know? And there's a lot of uh, uh, yeah, goodwill that everyone felt sorry for the employees being shafted, right? Mm. And I reckon Kogan's got quite a bit of goodwill mm. because he delivers such good service and better prices. And he's you know, apparently doing 200 mil a year now, so it's a massive entity, and they, they're gonna float very soon. Mm. And you'd compare that to what you know Harvey Norman is like, which is, pretty tired existence in store and online is not much better mm. good guys have got a certain amount of vibrancy about them being Lee is there. feels a bit 
dated, doesn't yeah. it? You know, whereas yeah. COVID seems that has got momentum behind it. Right. I, I loved in, in that story you showed me about um, their use of social media and not mm. using it as a uh, as an outbound marketing tool, but mm-hmm. more just there to deal with customer issues, complaints, comments, compliments, all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a absolutely. really interesting thing. I wonder whether, um, you know, perhaps looking at the at the, the social impact that closing of Dick Smith had, it certainly didn't do them any favours with mm-hmm. the brand, especially because it seemed to just be a place for everyone to vent yeah. about how it's pissed off they right. were about the whole experience. You know, right. so There's talk of, uh, Kogan says how he uh, uh, wants to follow the Aldi model, okay. yeah, where, you know, once a week they have products which are the, the, the lost leaders, you know, buy this thing at ridiculously low price, you know, and whilst you're there you buy other stuff, you know. Right. And you can see them doing that, you know. You know, so they're offering better value and better service and the other thing he's got now is that I don't know how many, how many people on the Dick Smith database there are but you'd have thought it'd be six figures yeah yeah you right. imagine so and that's quite a significant audience base and so now they're going to s- sell more plasmas whether it's through Kogan or Dick Smith and so they're going to get suppliers and get better rates so they're getting better margin mm. so um, did you say there's a white labelling element to it well that's I what I think he's doing you, you know, think so, so? so yeah. the, platform he's built for you know for um kogan he can just relabel it as mm, okay you know, it's a bit like ebay and gumtree you know it's the same technology underneath it all but it just looks different yeah nice yeah so there we go interesting one to watch let's come back on it okay There are some very kind people at Hero Infographics because they've helped this episode of Benchmark to be delivered for your auditory delight. Now, if you've got heaps of data but don't know how to communicate it, or you're having trouble delivering your corporate messages simply and effectively, well, Hero Infographics can make your data beautiful through gorgeous infographics for the web, social or print, or via animated videos. Tell your story quickly and beautifully thanks to Hero Infographics. And there is a great introductory offer of only $950 for an infographic. Now that's beautiful. www.heroinfographics.com.au Okay, on to the main segment, our interview with our guest speaker from Benchmark. Now you were on the, uh, the hot seat this time interviewing Will. Uh, what, what, why, why did you want Will to come and talk to us? Well, there's a really good question, mate, because to be honest with you, uh, I, and, and I talk about it in the, uh, in the interview, it, it was a real flip around for me because I had this picture of what virtual reality was and what Will must have been up to with the business he was running. And it wasn't until I saw the launch video, what, a week and a half out, mm. that I had a complete uh, reformation of my thinking. I really did. I, I, what I thought we were going to talk about was gaming and, uh, and, and about uses for virtual reality what we ended up talking about was something completely different changing the world changing the world take a listen to this welcome to benchmark great to uh, great to have everybody here thanks for coming along uh today we're going to have a look at virtual reality we're going to be talking more than just vr though we're going to be talking virtual reality with some real virtue Absolutely delighted to uh, to welcome Will Scully Power along. I, I've known you for a long time, so I knew if you were going to get into something around the VR space, it had to be it had to be interesting. There had to be a reason to be, 
to drag you into this space, right? Uh, but I think probably like a lot of people don't necessarily know the, the everything about VR. Where'd the idea come from? The vision board traditionally has been like a, a, a poster of, of images and affirmations that people will you know, look at um, you know, for five minutes a day. And the objective of that is to associate an emotion with that visualization in, in your head, in your subconscious mind around having already achieved that goal. Um, and so I have used vision boards myself for probably the last four years. A friend of mine introduced me to a couple of guys that um, have a, a, a virtual reality production company. So they're building content specifically for VR. Um, and I met with them and they gave me my first demo of virtual reality. And it was like instant light bulb. I knew straight away that because the, the, the use of VR uh, and being in that environment is so completely immersive that uh, I, I knew that I could use the concept of a vision board uh, and build it in VR to help people achieve results so much faster just by the pure nature of what VR is, being an immersive um, zone that the actual individual is in. Um, so, you know, we believe that, you know, in, in, in terms of you know, what we're trying to achieve is that you know, we're trying to help the world change the way they think. Um, and we want, how we plan to do that is, you know, helping people every single day change their thoughts, right? If you look at um, the statistics, it's something like 60, over, just over 60,000 uh, average, or the number of average thoughts someone has a day. You know, 80% of those are um, the same thoughts that they had yesterday, and 95% of them are, 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 are negative thoughts, right? So, um, you know, I think if you look, the, the best example of this is when you, you know, get off the bus or public transport, right? And, and anywhere in the world, right? Uh, and, you know, people are just in this state, you know, this trance state of getting up, taking a shower, go to work, do the next thing, come home, have dinner, go to bed, right? And I think that what stops a lot of people from achieving things is not having a real clear definition of firstly what it is they actually want in life. You know, if you, we did a, we did a little, um, a little, little survey to, just to test this validation, right? And it, nine out of 10 people, when you stop them in the street and you ask them, what do you actually want in life? The default answer is happy or happiness, right? But that's just an outcome, mm. not necessarily a, you know, a, a true goal or, or desire, right? Um, and, and the reason they answer that is because they actually don't know. They haven't actually sat down and thought, what is it, what are, what are the things that I actually do want in life? And you know, how, you know, how do I wanna go about achieving that? Um, and that's just a fundamental thing of what we're trying to help people do, right? Is, is actually um, you know, help them to define what it is they actually want in life. Right. So at what point did you put vision board VR on your vision board? <laughs> That's a good question. I do one every year. The biggest challenge that we face today is what is the actual construct for the user when they go into this app? So is it a classroom? Is it, a, you know, are they at the beach? Are they sitting at their desk at work? You know, what is the actual construct? We ran a, a bunch of focus groups and um, in customer feedback sessions with users uh, of, that were trialing the beta version of the product. And what was you know, very, very clear of what came out of that is when we started asking people, you know, what, did it, what, are the, what are the things they actually want in life or what are their goals they're trying to achieve, it broke, pretty much broke down into eight different categories, things like love and romance, you know, wealth and prosperity, et cetera, et cetera. So we've, we've defined eight categories of uh, you know, a, a, a human's life mm -hmm. that they're looking to improve or achieve, or goals they're looking to achieve. And that is fundamentally the, the, the starting point of the app. Um, and so you come down and you know, these, 
the uh, these stairs and you sort of land on a landing and there's sort of these eight categories that you can you know start to go into and then when you go into them you can start to select images that reflect what your goal is but it's not just preset images that are um, being pulled uh, from the app they're actually images from your smartphone so a good example could be you know you you may want uh, you know that flashy sports car and it's sitting down on George Street you know during lunchtime you walk by it you take a photo of it you can immediately upload that um, you know uh, to the VR app via your smartphone so we're combining real world um, you know visions and, and, and goals into virtual reality using that whole level of immersion right and is it a learning process I mean obviously it sounds a bit like a choose your own adventure right? yeah so you the further you go in you you make decisions on where you want to go yeah uh, is it learning where you're headed and is it Suggesting things. Yeah, so 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 version one is just being able to create a, a, a vision board in virtual reality. But where we're actually taking it is into experiences. So you you mentioned you know how do I become a good you know, interviewer slash speaker etc. So by having a, a, a simple static image of you and I sitting here in your vision board, um, that's not going to be enough to get you to use this thing every day, right? So there's a couple things that we're doing. Number one is we're building a whole what they call a hooked methodology into the app, which basically is used to drive people back into this app every single day. We've got all sorts of things from scoring algorithms to um, gamification. What's the balance of real yep. life experience versus learning? So there's a couple of new technologies of where this is going, right? So the first is in what they call haptic feedback devices. So what that actually means is if you think about surfing and you think about the, you know, the rash vest that you wear. So haptic feedback are, um, think of it as a rashi that you wear that have sensors on it, right? So in the future in VR, you'll be, active, act, uh, be able to actively feel the sensation of physical activity. The next level of after that is social. So every, you know, if you think about, deeply think about why Facebook bought Oculus, right? Mm. Is because you know, the, the, you know, we're gonna sit here in, in 10 years time, right? Probably less and talk about, remember how we used to scroll the Facebook newsfeed and sort of probably laugh about it, right? Because the way uh, Facebook are looking at this is, well, we can actually connect people all over the world um, by connecting them through experiences. So if I wanted to go surfing at Bondi Beach and uh, I'm in Sydney and you're in LA, I could use Facebook to connect with you and we could go surfing in that experience together. So the first part of this, uh, Facebook just an, uh, announced um, a Facebook uh, social alpha. And so what social alpha is, mm. is effectively uh, you know, the ability to connect with people all over the world in an avatar, right? And that's sort of, the, that's how early we are, right? This is like avatar-based stage technology. But you know, in a few years time, these, these are gonna be real world experiences where you and I could go hiking in the Himalayas or, or wherever, wherever, whatever experience that we actually want, but together socially, and then share that. So the future is not, you know, when Facebook, if you look at Facebook, it was, you know, text, then um, uh, I images and Instagram, then it was video, and now it's gonna be VR. Um, and it's all about connecting with people and, and sharing those experiences socially. Right, uh, so if like me, your mind started wandering off in that point, you started thinking about Total Recall and the Matrix <laughs> and that sort of world, and that you're thinking to yourself, this is, uh, this is a step beyond reality, right? Which is what is genuinely when I started looking into more of uh, what Will's talking about here, uh, was definitely the way I started feeling about it. Can you talk us through, and I need to find it here because I, uh, the consciousness hacking, not just as uh, a meetup group, but mm -hmm. as a movement, uh, which, which 
really takes what you're talking to a whole new level, not just with regards to VR, but across mm -hmm. a whole lot of different technologies. Can you just walk us through, what, what is this? Yes, so consciousness, consciousness hacking, uh, it, it is really a movement, came out of San Francisco mm -hmm. probably only about a, a year ago. Um, and it basically it's a group of um, yeah, developers and um, some may call them hackers, but essentially what they wanted to do was take on some of the bigger next step challenges, which is how do we actually crack the human code of the brain, right? And starting to understand um, you know, how we actually can use code to reprogram someone's brain. So for example, last week in California, um, uh, a gentleman uh, at, at Stanford is working on uh, actually recoding the brain. So what it, you know, to give you a, a use case of what that consciousness hacking might be in, in that scenario is, you know, we all remember um, you know, events and uh, memories from when we were growing up, but if you ask me what I did last Tuesday, I have no idea, hmm. right? And the way uh, thoughts run through the human brain is and connect, you know, the, the way the neurons connect with each other are through these things called synapses, right? And when you can't recall an actual thought or a memory, it's because the synapse, synapse is not firing, right? And the, and the neurons aren't connecting. So what they're really taking, you know, taking this uh, forward is, well, what if, what if you could, you know, how much would you pay to recall that thought? I lost my keys, right? How much would you pay for that, right? And think about it further, right? Which is, what if you could auction a thought, right? So think about the world of Google, you know, paid search, right? And that's just based on explicit behaviors. Um, you know, what if you could, what if you could auction an ad based on someone's thought? And you think about what's going to be the next level for Facebook in terms of their advertising. It's not going to be based on someone explicitly either being at a website and then coming through to a new website, and they have that cookie data to retarget them. Mm. It's going to be based on what someone's thinking, and they're going to have that data, which is pretty powerful. So at the heart of that, though, the the movement is all about improving the lives of of people using technology so that I mean I, what I what I read was that we're spending so much of our time now where technology is taking us away from being in the now about taking us away from being who we are and then making it so you said before asking somebody in the street what do you really want what are you really about where these guys are, are this movement is about trying to get technology to help us to be closer to who we really are am I am I reading that right as yeah well? absolutely I think what um, you know what the what this group is trying to do is use technology and um, and, and crack the, the code of the brain to to do good, right? And I think this is something that um, is really uh, at the forefront of our thoughts in terms of why we're why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and it really comes down for us is to you know we believe that you know if we combine uh, you know passion and life purpose. And for me, that is I'm passionate, very passionate about technology. And you know you know on my, on that journey of finding well, what is your purpose in in the world, and if you can, you know, in, if, if that for me is, you know, utilizing technology to help people, this for me is sort of a, uh, you know, an answer to that. So um, it is really to uh, a movement to use technology to, to, to you know, to help pro help people improve their uh, levels of consciousness and uh, their levels of awareness, uh, and uh, you know, help them to achieve, uh, you know, results faster, and you know, have a lot bigger goals and, and things that you know we can help them. Uh, and train them to uh, achieve along the way. And the results are proven, right? That's the other thing. So there is research that's been, been done on this. Um, 
to, to that point, I was speaking to my Uber driver on the way in this morning, and I actually think Uber drivers are the font of all knowledge. Um, if you really want to test anything, ask your Uber driver. He said, when I told him you know, that it's been proven and stuff, he likened it to faith, is what he said, in so much as you can't prove that it's real, but in doing it, it somehow manifests that it's it's real. And, and that was his view of it, which is, which is interesting. Mm. We are seeing, though, that people that undertake these activities and with this sort of intensity are getting better results than people that aren't, right? It's been proven oh, in absolutely. sports science, it's yeah. been proven in a whole lot of different things. I mean, you go back, if you look at the whole yeah. religious movement, right, and from Gandhi, you know, down, right, it's, it, you know, the, the, the whole concept of meditation and, and being more mindful and being more aware from of... From Gandhi down, it's really <laughs> just... Well, up, I don't know, however we want to look at it. Um, but look, they, you know, it's, it's that uh, most people, you know, as you know, right, are just cluttered in, in their, in the... You know, thousands and thousands of thoughts that they have every day, and actually, most of them are, are useless thoughts that are actually not helping them to, you know, live a better life, or whether that's being, a more, you know, live a better, you know, more healthy life, or, you know, being more compassionate, or being more thoughtful, or you know, to their partner, whatever it may be. Um, but there's absolutely, you know, um, you know, uh, proven research around the the ability or, or people being more mindful and more conscious having an impact on, you know, them. Having the ability to manifest these things in their in their in their real life, right? So you, ever since I've known you, have been a data driven guy. You're a you're a marketing guy. Uh, I can't help but ask you where the the intersection between this good stuff meets the you know the commercial viability of that. We touched on it a little bit. It's obviously got to intersect at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you know our position on that is that we actually have. Um, the, the power to use it for you know very good causes right so um, you know one of the things that we did when we when we started this business was you know we wanted we took the one percent pledge and for those of uh, those of you who don't know what that is it's basically you know donating one percent of your equity one percent of your product and one one percent of your your people's time um, back to the community uh, in in um, you know in, in in kind right so um, you know for us this is not a venture to uh, make money. This is a venture to help people change their lives, right? And if uh, a byproduct of that is 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 generating revenue and, and, and being profitable, then so be it. Um, you know, we we believe that fundamentally the core of why we started this was to help people. Um, you know, and I think that any company that starts today with that goal in mind that should be applauded. Right. Um, taking it up again, um, maybe a bit above Gandhi. Um, <laughs> Uh, I read today on The Verge uh, mm -hmm. that uh, the NCAA, and that's uh, National Collegiate Athletic Association of America, has announced that this weekend's Final Four and National Championship games will be live streamed in virtual reality. Fans who own Samsung Gear VR will be able to watch L uh, the game from courtside perspective for free by downloading the NCAA March Madness live app at the Oculus Store. Um, it's the second time they've done it, and I know that it's not true VR, you get a 180 degree view, uh, and there's some gimmick in that. Is it just hype? Is it, why would they do that? Is it just, mm. is it just hype or is it, is this real? It's still early, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the first Oculus Rift was shipped on Monday of this week in, mm. in Anchorage in Alaska. You know, we're not gonna really see this stuff take off, you know, a, 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 for at least another 12 to 18 months because there's not any hardware in the market for people to use yet. There'll be experiences like the NCAA and um, and, and, and putting people, you know, uh, you know courtside at these games to, for people that potentially 
you know, could never afford to go to one of these games. You know, for, for five bucks, you can actually now be courtside. You can, you can actually be put into these experiences. Um, and, you know, that, that's something that, you know, majority of the population would have never and probably will have never um, or will never be able to do. So this really, you know, removes that whole, um, I guess, block. Um, so yes, in the, in the early days, the, in the early days where we are now, um, you know, a lot of the, the bigger brands are starting to, you know, do much more activation and engagement type activity. I got a brief this morning for, from a client of ours that said, I've got 70 marketers in August that I want to do something with, it's something engaging with our in, in internal team at their company. Um, and she said, do you have any ideas? And I went back and said, we'll buy them, every single one of them, a Gear VR headset, which are $99, mm-hmm. and we'll get them, we'll give them 60 days to come up with an, uh, one or two ideas around how they could use VR to uh, Im- improve the customer experience, whether it be across marketing, sales, or service. Um, and so I think we'll start to see over the next two years a lot of that. Um, but as the technology improves and as the hardware hits the market and as more software gets developed in the Oculus Store and others, um, you know, we're going to start to see a massive, massive uptake in this technology. Right. I love the reviews that are coming out this week since the launch of, of Rift. Uh, it's, uh, it's phenomenal to watch people use it for the first time and complain about how clunky it is when they're seeing something they've never, ever been able to get their hands on before. What, what are the... What are the, what's the future? Mm. I mean, I, when you look into, into the crystal ball, can you see anywhere that we can't use this technology? Um, look, I think it's, there, there's, so many, there's so many different applications and the challenge is actually where do you focus, right? right. I mean, and, and that comes down to what do you believe, <laughs> funnily enough, mm. uh, and why you're building whatever, whatever it is you wanna build. Are there any you know, different verticals that you know, may not be applicable? For sure, right? It's sort of like, you know, uh, there's any, in any level of technology, there's there's verticals that, um, you know, it's probably not as applicable. Um, but I've never seen a technology in my entire career that um, is this fundamental, fundamentally um, uh, exciting, but also uh, where there I've never seen more different types of applications that can be applied to. Like education alone is just phenomenal. I mean, you think about all the developing countries around the world and you know the, the the top five problems of the world in terms of you know um, not enough access to food and water and shelter etc um, and there's some really big problems that can be potentially solved with virtual reality uh, in terms of educating people um, you know before they get into that you know, potential predicament or that state um, and giving people you know the ability to um, you know, the, or, or opening up their eyes to a, a level of education that they just would never have had um, or would have ever, ever been able to afford before. Um, and because the, the technology is, is really low cost, I think, um, especially with Facebook be behind it and what they're doing with, um, you know, uh, internet.org in terms of making the internet available, you know, in all these developing countries, I think we're going to see some phenomenal um, changes to the world off the back of this. So I'd like to open it up to some questions. Before I do that, we always ask uh, guests on, on, on the bench, um, you're a trailblazer, this is something that's not been done before, you're going to a space which is certainly different to anything that we've seen in this space. How will you benchmark yourself? How will you benchmark your success as, the, as this organization grows? Yeah, uh, I think the, the only way to, to benchmark any success when it comes to this types of app, uh, these types of technology and apps and development is user adoption, mm-hmm. right? You're only as good as the, the users that you have that keep using your product, 
right? So one of the key metrics that um, you know we're going to be measuring is the ongoing use of our of our app from existing um, existing customers. Um, so that that's fundamental to it because no one's going to you know, 95% of, I think it's 98% of apps that get created and launched, right, um, die off in the, in, the, in the first month. And so um, that's why we're spending a lot of time focusing on how do we actually drive people back into the app and actually get them results. Fundamental to the, the, the cause of this is, you know, getting people to share their stories, right, because some of them will be private, you know, and some people will have goals that they don't want to share publicly, but others will, right? Others will absolutely want to, um, you know, everyone in their life has something they want to improve. Um, yeah, congratulations on what feels great. What I'm thinking about is like, I don't know, are you looking at like models as far as um, user-generated content for your app that could include, you know, I can go, hey man, I'm playing a game of like, you know, Theme Park tomorrow, I wonder if there's any content of that place. Mm -hmm. That's where I need to put my focus. Yeah, good question. So the, if you, you know, are, we truly believe that the way to make this so immersive is all video. There's two types of interfaces that you can have, right? It's one is more gaming type, and where it's much more graphical, uh, and the other is video. And so what they're trying to do is to see where these two, whether they do converge or not, right? But you know, we believe that it's it's going to be completely all video. So um, to start, you know, the, the big winners in VR are going to be content producers, 100%. So. To answer your question, how do you get from mainstream Sydney Opera House, walking on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, you know, all sort of the the the, 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 the main places through to you know a small park in Northbridge, yeah. um, you know, I, I I don't think it's going to get there anytime soon. Presumably, what you could do is you could go to the park and take a series of photos of the things that are the triggers for you, and then you could load them up and you could refer to those in. You can. I mean, if you I, where I sort of potentially see this going if you look at um, uh, uh, GoPro so they they're coming out with their own VR type uh, video cameras so if you think in that situation where you film that video and then you could create that in VR on the fly so it's like do it yourself and I think that that's absolutely where it will go because the technology uh, will allow us to get there um, so that's where I think it'll end up uh, you know you'll be able to shoot your own video content and publish it within your own VR environment. How about um, accusations you might get of breakdown of community or, you know, I could say to you, it's time to go to watch a game at the pub. You'll say, no, I'm going to watch it at home <laughs> by myself, yep. but with a crowd. Well, what, are, what are you preparing to, uh, to to face that kind of line of argument of a breakdown of the society and yep. mental health issues on the back of that allowed? Yeah, it's interesting because in, in one aspect it can be looked at as a you know negative connotation, but you know, in the other aspect it could be looked at as positive, right? So you're actually helping people with um, depression, and you know, and the list goes on. There'll be development of content where um, they'll get so good at hooking their users into their apps that their virtual worlds will be better than the real life, right? So why come out of this, right? And 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 that's where. You know something that we're completely being mindful of, um, and making sure that the the content that we create and why we're doing this is for greater good, yeah. not for greater bad. Bruce, how do you see this sort of uh, accumulating into the entertainment world, like people consuming TV or film or or anything like that? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I thought about that the other day, where it's like, you know, is VR gonna replace me coming home and you know putting on the TV set and Probably you know not necessarily, 
Um, it depends on what the use case is. So like for example, um, if I'm if I'm going to use VR to watch the NCAA game, um, you know, and that's streamed live, then I'm going to be watching it at that time on the weekend or whenever that that game's on. Um, if I'm using it for, you know, defining what my goals are, and I'm you know doing that five minutes in the morning or five minutes at night, um, you know, is that going to replace my use of the TV? I think VR will certainly replace a lot of the the way people consumed entertainment. You know. Look at the rise of Netflix, right? And, and um, if you look at the content in VR now, Netflix are one of the first runners at, at producing content for VR. Um, because it's like linear stories, it's a narrative story. You can immerse yourself totally in the world and sort of run around the galleries in the Matrix. In some in, in some experiences, yes, right? It's um, because you know, yeah. It's if if you look at a if you watch a movie on TV, it's a static chain of events, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you look at VR and where it's going to be able to go is that you can almost choose your own adventure, mm -hmm. right? And well, what if I did this? What would my experience be? Or if I made this decision, what would happen then? There's a short trailer on the Oculus website under the Stories tab. Henry, I think it's called, The Hedgehog. Oh yeah, Lucky, lucky it's, it's an animated. It's an animated movie. There's not, it, it's actually more of a description of how the movie works more than anything else. But it, the, the immersion that you see in that is completely yeah, blew right. my mind absolutely i'd not, never seen anything like it so definitely worth a look and has someone done studies on like can you keep the glasses on for like an hour three hours like so we we came up with this concept uh just on 12 months ago and the biggest challenge that outside of working out how we're going to construct what that experience is when you first get into the app the next biggest challenge was nausea mm. right because it was you know 12 months ago that's everyone was talking about it I can't have this thing on, I'll get sick, and you know, uh, most of those problems are now solved, right, 12 months later, right? right? And so, you know, whereas histori historically, right, that, that may have taken two to three years. Um, so I think because there's so much money now going into the industry um, and investment that a lot of these early challenges of, of new technology, you know, the, the solutions, you know, uh, arrive a lot faster. It's pretty commonplace today if you go to school that they issue a laptop right? Not only in developed countries, but also in, in undeveloped countries, right? I think it'd be, um, you know, pretty standard in the over the next couple of years that they'll issue a, a, you know, a VR headset. I mean, they're cheap, right? And they're going to come down in price as well. Mm. I mean, it, just in the last 12 months, they went from, uh, I think it was $300 retail to 99, right? Um, and soon they'll, you know, they'll be next to nothing, right? It'll all be in the, the content. Obviously, there's different types of hardware and technology being developed. Do you see any kind of, I guess, core development in the, the, the SDK side of the fence being really looked at? So the ability to, to code on top of the platform. So one of the things that we're looking at with, um, with Vision Board is, what if one of my goals was to be the CEO of BHP? What if I could use, uh, you know, a, uh, not that LinkedIn is open, but assuming there is an open, open network, I could connect to that to understand what are the different connections of people that I need to get to, to connect myself to that company, right? So starting with the goal, how do I then use a network of something like Facebook or LinkedIn or any other, right, as a, 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 an additional data set to help me plot my path or plot my roadmap, if you will, to allow me to achieve that. Um, and I think that is where the second wave of innovation will come in. Right, where they have the original sort of VR, experience, uh, VR apps and games, 
then it'll be the experiences, then it'll be the social, social integration, and then it'll be third-party data, how do we integrate it, um, much more augmented reality um, integration into, into VR. Um, so you may be in an experience at the Sydney Opera House or wherever that experience is, and you're actually, it's bringing in aspects of augmented reality. When you look at the mountain, it's giving you the stats of you know, how much rainfall it had or snow or whatever it may be. Are you guys thinking about how important is the role of analytics and feeding back into your product development? Uh, analytics is, is fundamental, actually, to what we're building. So everything that someone creates uh, is trackable. And everything that, think about like, if I spend most of my time focusing on one category or two specific goals within that category, how much time am I spending on it? Just like if you look at, sort of, if you compare it to the internet, how much time you're spending on a page or things like that. So. For us, that's really, really important for us to understand how users are not only using the app, but what they're actually focused on. Because that opens up a whole nother level of insight that you know, um, will help us to improve the product and, and help to market it to, you know, to people. Mate, thank you so much thank for you. giving us a window into this world. I think for a lot of us, something very different. So thank you. Right. Thank, thank, thank you very much. much. Thank, you. thank you. Thanks very much. Um, if you want to keep following along with us, we've got a, a hashtag benchmark 103, which we're starting to push things up to. It's early days, so uh, we're still getting that moving. Uh, we're trying to do this once a month. Uh, we're very keen to hear what you'd like to hear about. So if you've got some ideas of things that you would like to uh, come and sit and listen to, or indeed if you've got something that you think people should come and sit and listen to, please let us know. Please stay around for a few drinks, meet the team, have a good chat with Will. Thanks so much for coming. Cheers. Okay. Will's gully power, hey? What a champion. <laughs> what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I mean, we've both known Will for a long time. He used to do our PR <laughs> 10, 12 years ago. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Crazy. Mm. Uh, fascinating, I mean, to hear what he's setting out to do. It's a pretty bold adventure. Um, Interesting, some of the questions he, where he was, where he was pressed on, you know, audience uptake and, uh, you know, what, where virtual reality is up to. And I, I thought it was interesting a number of times where he replied that um, it'll get there, but I don't think we'll see it for a little while yet. You know, he's really dealing with a technology that's still, you know, you can't quite see what's coming around the corner, right? You know, listening to the interview brought back so many men, many memories of when at Vicorp in 2004 we were trying to get people to put video online you know and to put that into context that was a year before YouTube was formed yeah wow. so we were you know way ahead of the curve rather foolishly really and I can remember all we were doing was educating the market doing chats like what he did for us you know and speaking at conferences and going around the big corporates and you know Australia's internet is still not good well, at least you can see full screen video now. Yeah. Ten years ago, you could see postage stamp, and you know, and the content would pixelate, and the internet would fall down, and you know, and it was just really, really hard, you know. And so all the time we were going, but it will get there. Yeah. And yeah. of course it got there. Online video is huge business now. Yeah. Now will the same thing happen for VR? You know, and and how will VR companies um, sustain themselves in this early adopter phase? Right. Because. The cost of making the video is quite expensive at the moment, and the audience uptake of it is probably quite low at the moment. So, from an ROI perspective, why should I mean, you know, at South by Southwest last week, the big Australian success story was the Rapid VR Boys and what they did with Qantas, yeah? Right. And it's a phenomenal piece of content. Yeah. Where is the value of that to Qantas? Is it from the people that have watched it? 
possibly, but there's a hell of a lot of PR they've got out of it. So it's repositioning Qantas, and they've had a much better year this year, haven't they, mm. opposed mm. to the last few years. So, so you think it's going to be back to 2004? Hey, Nick, can we, we you know, we, we're interested, but maybe we could do it as a pilot? Oh, God, we've got that <laughs> all the time, you know? And it's like, it's, like, what, I mean, it's not a pilot. It, 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 then they go, well, will it 100% work? And you're like, well, we can't guarantee it because of all these reasons, which is very hard. And that's the problem that the VR people are going to have at the moment, I think. You know? um, it's not something that I'm massively excited about. Right. I, I much prefer the real world. You know, I'm not into CGI. I'm not into 3D. I'm not into computer games. So this VR world's a little bit removed for me. The putting on a headset when I can get perfectly good experience in the real world is fine for me you know and I think that's what Will's trying to use that very same technology to counteract that sure. complete absorption mm-hmm. so going to be very interesting to see how he goes yeah look he he, he, he won me over for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really interested to see some of the applications he talked about um, uh, yeah and then it, it's kind of interesting with the players that are in it it's basically uh, Samsung Oculus Rift, which is now bought by Facebook. Google mm. got one. Google cardboard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's three or four of the big boys. It's a bit like with streaming media, Flash, mm. Real Media, and Windows, you know, the old days, you know, and QuickTime, you know? Yeah, yeah. And which one will win, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe by, uh, uh, maybe in the not too distant future, we'll be uh, we'll coming with a VR cast instead of a podcast. Maybe we will. Does anyone really want to see you and I in high definition 3D? Probably not. No, there's probably better content, isn't there? <laughs> well, mate, that's uh, that's a wrap. That'll do. Rap party starts. All right, break over the <laughs> champagne. Let's do it right now. <laughs> that was fun. We, we covered quite a lot there. Didn't big we? things this week. It's uh, yeah. That that was uh, that was really good fun. Audio streaming, VR, e-commerce, Apple phones. Brilliant. Yeah. Love it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Keen to get uh, to get your feedback. If you want us to cover any areas or want us to go out and uh, chase anybody down to have a chat with you, let us know. The hashtag is hashtag benchmark103. Our next event's a real treat. Uh, we're going to be talking about influencer marketing. Uh, we're, we're really pleased that we've got uh, Lottie Takiri coming along, the uh, the former Australian Rugby League and Rugby Union International. And, uh, and Lottie's started a, a business with uh, his colleagues Nathan and Justin called Huzu, uh, uh, an influencer marketing agency. And what this does, it connects brands to fans via influencers, namely celebrities or famous people on social media. And uh, the, the idea came... From from Lottie spending a lot of time on you know, team buses and just seeing that his teammates had a huge uh, audience uh, at their fingertips via social media. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to hear what they've got to say and see how marketers can can benefit from influencer marketing. Uh, a recent US study shows that businesses are making $6.50 for every $1 spent. That's a pretty good return. Uh, we are having the next event on Friday the 13th of May, 4 o'clock, at Benchmark. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Benchmark 103, over and out. Bye-bye.
Content marketing. Cloud Social reality. Creative competitive advantage. Future of innovation. Benchmark. It's two blokes talking all things creative, technology and business in Australia.